You're listening to Following the Way, a podcast devoted to the examination of Scripture and Christ-centered practices to help us live in devotion to the way of Jesus. Welcome, everyone. Glad that you're with us. We are a podcast that is really passionate about looking at Scripture in a way that's going to draw us into following Jesus and his practices in our lives and making him central in our lives. And I want to encourage you again, if you enjoy this podcast and what we're bringing to you, please leave us a rating or uh, share this with your friends. It really does uh, help and matter to us. I want to look at a portion of scripture uh, today out of John 12 that um, when I read it, I thought, you know, this there's, there's something in here about discipleship that we really need to grapple with and we need to hear. And the context of it before I read it is that Jesus has just uh, come into Jerusalem for the Passover feast, so the triumphal entry and, and all that we know of that and that we celebrate on Palm Sunday. And so he's at the, the Passover feast, and it says that uh, in John 12, verse 20, now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. <clears throat> so these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And I'm going to stop there for a second. You get the sense here that On some level, these Greeks that had come up were curious and wanted to talk with Jesus. And maybe, you know, we we know that Jesus knows what's in the heart of all men. And so perhaps even um, as this comes to Jesus's attention, uh, Jesus, well, not perhaps, he, he is well aware of what's in their hearts. We don't know because the text doesn't tell us. But you wonder if when they say we wish to see Jesus, if there's just sort of a sense of, curiosity more than anything. And Jesus uses this situation to really drive home, and and probably because he's feeling the weight of what he's about to enter, but he really drives home, this is what it means to follow me. And what we see here is qualifications for discipleship. And so Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, meaning he's saying, look, pay attention. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loses, sorry, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, my the Father will honor him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Boy, you even get uh, the need, you have to cough sometimes in a podcast. But what Jesus is doing here is he's really driving home what it means if we're going to follow him. And so we're talking here about discipleship, letting go of the hold on our lives. And what Jesus reveals here is that to follow him, we're at his service. Serving equals following. Serving equals relationship and abiding. And and that's where Jesus says there, 
and where I am, there will my servant be also. Where am I at? It, wherever, if I'm going to follow Jesus, wherever Jesus is, is where I'm called to be at. And, and Jesus says, when, when we follow him, we have the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's given to us and he, he will teach us and draw us to Jesus. And so what we find here at a really basic level is what it means to follow the way of Jesus. And sometimes we have to cut through the things that we've heard and the way that we have understood the gospel or we've understood Christianity for years or even decades because it's not about just praying some prayer and then sort of fitting Jesus and shaping him into our lives and what we feel comfortable with. That is not what the gospel calls us to. The gospel calls us to radically alter our lives if we're to follow him. And I think in the West, especially right now, that is so, so important for us to grapple with. Because what we find here is what it means to follow the way of Jesus. You've got to let go of your right to determine your life by your own ideas and desires. You surrender to the way of Jesus as revealed in Scripture, not as revealed in someone's book or someone's interpretation of of Jesus for the 21st Western culture that fits into our ideals and and our belief systems and, and forgets of what it says of Jesus in Scripture and in the, the whole of Scripture. And so what we see here as it relates to discipleship is that to be in the word is not optional if you are to follow the way of Jesus. To pray and to learn how to discern God's voice through scripture is not optional. Because if we don't, if we're not in the word, if we're not in prayer, if we're not learning how to have a personal relationship with God, learning how to have a, a, a relationship with Jesus, we will fabricate a set of beliefs that is founded upon our own preferences and our own views and what fits within our ideas. And the gospel and scripture will radically challenge us at every turn if we are living in a Western-infused mindset. And, and it's interesting because after Jesus says this, and he sort of says about these people who want to see him, look, if, if they want to see me, I just want to clearly define this is what it means to follow me. This this is what it means. And and Jesus, he knows, like, I'm about to die. I'm about to go to the cross. I, I don't have time for trivial visits and, you know, people who are just curious but aren't serious. And there's something in there that we need to really wrestle with when it comes to our Western view of what it means to follow Jesus. And are we willing to give up everything? Because in verse... 33 to 36, after um, after Jesus says this, I should say before verse 33, uh, Jesus, he, he again, he, he talks about how, um, what's to come and how he's going to be lifted up from the earth and he's going to draw people to himself. In fact, it says there that um, after he says, Father, glorify your name, it says, then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And it says the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. So there's a lot of stuff going on here. And 
after he says this, that he's, I'm going to be lifted up from the earth and I'm going to draw people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. It says in verse 33. And so it says then, the crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? And, and what we see is that the people, they, they want to, you know, this talk of death, Let's just bypass all of that and, and, and let's get to the good stuff about this, the prophecies of the Son and Man, that the, the reigning and the establishing of a kingdom who's going to remain forever and who's going to overthrow the Romans and who's going to give us the life that we want and give us the comfort that we want. That's what's behind their question when you understand the context of the culture. Just, just give us that, the power, the presti- prestige and the self-autonomy that we want. Just just give us the Western dream of progress, Jesus. Just give us what we want. Give us what fits inside of our boxes. But Jesus was establishing a totally different kingdom. He is establishing a totally different kingdom right now. And what he was saying is death is necessary because the issue of sin in the human heart cannot be served by progress or simply by power and prestige, and our right to choose, and self-autonomy. No, what, it, what Jesus is saying, and he says it in verse 40, is that our hearts need to be healed. Healing is needed in our hearts. In verse 43, Jesus says there, for they loved the glory that, actually, sorry, Jesus didn't say this, but but John is saying this in the context of this. He says, for they loved the glory, speaking of the religious leaders, for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. That is, in a sentence, the problem of the human heart. That's the problem that all of us wrestle with. It's the problem that all of us face. It's the problem that we wrestle with, I would say, daily. We love the glory that comes from man. We love the glory that comes from others. We love the glory. We love the focus on us. We love it. We love it. We love it. And if we're not careful, our heart is inclined to love that more than the glory that comes from God. And so this is the problem of a secular renewal myth that pervades in our culture in every corner. And it doesn't matter where you are in the political landscape. It doesn't matter what you believe, whether you're left wing, right wing, whether you're, it doesn't matter because the human heart doesn't change. The human heart is the same in every group. And so the what the world sees as progress, if we can just get our thinking and our ideas right, and if we can just get people onto this agenda, then we are going to we're going to have this social utopian. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna improve things. We're gonna fix things. But when it comes to the crucial issues that we're facing in our culture today, this is the part of the equation that's being left out. The, the, the most important part of the equation, the, the part of the equation that gives us the answer, and that is the sin that resides in the human heart 
And the only solution to that sin in our hearts is Jesus Christ and the redemption that he offers us. There is no other hope. There is no other solution. There is no social program. There is no political party. There is nothing. There is no right way of thinking. There is no getting aligned with a certain set of values that is going to fix that. At the core, our issue is what's going on in our hearts. And it's Jesus and his redemption that he offers us that we need. And so this is this is how we understand the whole context of what it means to follow Jesus. It is about surrender. It's about laying ourselves down because we recognize we need our hearts changed. We need our hearts healed. Jesus is the only one that can do that. And he does that as we follow him. I've been reading this this book lately and have been really, really impacted by it. It's called The Relational Soul. It's by Richard Plass and James Cofield. And uh, I would I would really encourage you if you want to read a book about moving from false self into uh, deep connection with God and with others. This this book is phenomenal. But they they talk uh, at one point about uh, our need to release our autonomy, our desire for autonomy. This this focus that we need to be in control. This focus of we're going to get it right, and people need to align with us. That need for autonomy, we need to have that broken in us because it's actually the root of it is sin. And because we're made for connection and relationship, we were not made to be autonomous individuals. And and that this relates to how we learn to surrender and follow Jesus. But this is what they say there in, here in their book. And I just want to um, read this. It says that, talking about Adam and Eve and how when they were created, before they decided to eat from the tree of good and evil, before they they chose to disobey, they were joyfully content and deeply connected in the rewarding communion of intimacy. Their invitation was to live deeply into a participatory life in God. The only challenge to God's invitation was a willingness to relinquish any aspiration of autonomy. If they did this, they would increasingly grow in their capacity and experience of communion. Their true self would mature and expand into the fullness of their union with God and each other. And that is, sadly, we know that that's what was lost, but that is what God is inviting us back into increasingly and wanting to do in us through the work of Jesus in our lives and in our hearts. And they say there, ultimately, the autonomy of the false self proved deadly because humans are constituted as relational beings. And they go on to add, they said, that's why when Paul speaks of in Philippians 1 that we must participate in his life, the life of Christ, so that his life becomes our life. As the Apostle Paul wrote, for me to live is Christ. This is the life God designed and desires for us. This is the only life that heals us of the wounds inflicted on us by others. This 
is the life that God has designed and desires for us, that we would be in Christ, that we would not see ourselves as autonomous beings, but we would see ourselves as being in Christ, having surrendered, having given our lives to him, following him, and being in relationship with him. This is the only life that heals us of the wounds inflicted on us by others, which can be many, which can be deep, but Jesus offers us the healing that we need, and he promises us the transformation that we so desperately desire. May you be blessed today as you go forth and as you dwell on this, as you think about this, and I I would encourage you to think about this as it relates to your life. How do I surrender to follow the way of Jesus? Qualifications for discipleship, for being a follower of Jesus, is serving him and being in relationship with Jesus and abiding with him. Blessings today, friends, as you leave from here and as you go on with the rest of your day. We'll see you again.